In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Badgers now through 12 practices in spring, just three to go, and that includes Saturday's the launch. We got some details on that today after practice from Luke Fickle. Uh, apparently over 20,000 uh, tickets have been reserved. We'll see if that kind of number shows up. I know that um, the weather probably isn't going to be the greatest, but uh, it is, should be a fun time. I was expecting it just to be another practice. It sounds like it's going to be a little bit more than that. We've got a very complicated scoring system, which is hilarious because I think pretty sure that's what Gary Anderson did his first two years. There was some complicated scoring uh, that happened, but I'm not going to get into that. They'll let I'll have them explain that to you on Saturday. Uh, but there, the the thing that stood out to me is it's going to be a lot of eleven on eleven scrimmaging and live tackling, live tackling, something we have not seen a ton of, and that includes uh, you know when the ones and ones are going against each other, which I don't you know Braylon Allen hasn't been really tackled this year, and uh, Ches Malusi hasn't been tackled this year. I don't know how many reps they're actually going to get on Saturday. Probably not a ton, but um, it is something I'm actually looking forward to a little bit more now than I was because. I was expecting it just to be a practice, another, you know, another practice, but it sounds like it's going to be a little bit more than that. I think we can, I think we gain more from that than anything else, Jesse. It's a tough balance to strike because this is the first time fans have an opportunity to see what this Luke Fickle era looks like with his new coaching staff, with the new offense. And you want to give him something to be excited about. There's a reason why 20 plus thousand people it's been announced have uh, already got their tickets for this event. We'll see how many actually show up with the weather. But the most important thing out of spring ball is having people be healthy when you're done. And certainly Braylon Allen, Ches Malusi fall into that category. I sort of envision a, a big day for Grover Bortolotti. Um, <laughs> but I also think we'll have an opportunity to see a lot of the big plays that we've seen through spring practice to date. It'll just uh, be a little bit more amped up. And I have to imagine that the players are really excited to have this opportunity to showcase what they've been working on for fans who are just rabid to find out what this team looks like. Yeah, they definitely are. And, and Luke Fickle was a little, uh, was not hesitant, was interested to see how today was going to go because obviously everybody is excited for Saturday. Uh, they didn't want today to just be about Saturday. It was a little bit of shorter practice than they have uh, normally gone, but it didn't feel like a prep for Saturday. It felt like they were locked in, and which is not easy to do. 12 practices into this, you're a month, you're essentially a month into it. They opened spring ball March 25th. So they've they've essentially been in it, in it, in it uh, for nearly a month now. And you just never know mentally if they're always going to be locked in. I thought we it was kind of a sloppy practice on Tuesday. I think you'd agree with that um, in terms of drops and that that type of stuff. There was less of that. There were still a few uh, that happened today, but there was less of that plays just being made by both sides uh, today in practice. I think it'd be impossible to not mention or at least start with uh, Ricardo Hallman, who had three interceptions today. He included a, a pick six near the first uh, near the start of practice, and then had an interception in the end zone, and then had one to to end a uh, was essentially a last minute drive. I wouldn't call it a two minute drill because they started with the ball at the fifty, and there was thirty seconds left, and I think they just needed to get into field goal range. But uh, he picked that off and did the kneel, and it was over. But 
hell of a practice for him. And that's kind of just a continuation, wouldn't you say? Just continuation of what we've seen from him. I know we've talked about him, but uh, continuation of what he's done pretty much the entire spring, which is which is make plays and not give up a ton of them. He's really been one of the breakout players of spring practice. Um, and he's been with the first team group since the first practice. And I know we've talked about what happened last year, the fact that he started the first seven games and faded away after the Michigan state game, but he has bounced back and looked very confident and solid. And Luke fickle talked about this too, that if, if you were to say who's been the most consistent, he would be on that list. And obviously he's been able to continue it. And I think sometimes fans may see all these interceptions and be incredibly concerned about the quarterback play. They're throwing the ball a lot more. They're trying a lot of things, even though they already installed the offense, they're still polishing and going over situational football. And so that's naturally going to lead to more opportunities for both the wide receivers and the defensive backs. But Ricardo Hallman absolutely has taken advantage. And I would expect to see a whole bunch of Hallman and Alexander Smith on the outside with Jason Matry in the slot. That's what it's been the entire spring. And all three of those guys have had their moments. And I think we've talked about this. I feel good about the top three corners that they have. Those three guys. I I feel good about it. It's behind them is kind of where the, you know, where the concern is. And it's kind of why we've seen them uh, chase after, a couple of corners that are in the transfer portal. Uh, they obviously missed on Josh DeBerry, who ended up at Texas A&M, but they have uh, offered a couple more guys. Antonio Carter from Rhode Island. He's a he's a grad transfer. And then also another guy that they offered was Marcavius Brown from Ole Miss. And so they certainly believe like, I don't know, maybe like we do, that maybe they need to add a little bit of depth, experienced depth depth to that spot. I don't necessarily know if they're looking for guys to come in and and start. I think they're looking for guys that are going to be able to give them depth, but, and that's the problem with this, Jesse is it's kind of like Wisconsin and trying to like Wisconsin basketball and trying to find a big that's willing to come in and play, you know, um, 10 to 15 minutes a game from the transfer portal. That's not what a lot of guys are in the transfer portal for. They want to, they want to go in the transfer portal and find a playing time somewhere. And um, so I think it may be a little bit difficult for, them to land some of these guys that are in the portal in the corner, just based on what we've seen from maybe again, maybe they feel differently about their starting corners than, than I do uh, or that we do, but it doesn't feel like there's a ton of playing time available, but they depth, they desperately need some of that depth. And, you know, Alexander Smith's going to be gone after next year. Jason Matry is going to be gone after next year. So you could come in and establish yourself, you know, as one of the top backups and be, it could be your spot next season, the following season. But yeah, this is um, – I like the young guys, but it's clear that they desperately need want to add some more depth there, correct? Is that how yeah, you that, take it too? Well, certainly, because uh, they know that when they extend an offer to somebody in the portal, that's going to become public and everyone's going to be made aware of what position they're pursuing. Um, but I think that's got to be the selling point with the portal situation is we do have three quality guys at the top. I have a hard time seeing there being an opening for somebody to take that role unless they're just outstanding. But – you're going to have an opportunity if you're an underclassman to work your way in, get reps in the two deep. And then, as you said, Alexander Smith, sixth year senior, Jason Matry just transferred from Boston College. There are going to be opportunities. And right now what we're seeing is they've been rotating, trying to figure out what does the second team defense look like. And I think we've seen a ton of potential, particularly from the two freshman early enrollees, Jonas Duclona and Jace Arnold. And at the same time, (laughs) those guys were in high school a couple months ago. And so if you could build up some depth, you certainly would love to. Duclona and Arnold have both had their moments. I think Duclona probably made one of the defensive plays of the week, certainly a practice Tuesday. He 
he laid out for a pass. It was one-on-one down the left sideline for Keontes Lewis in the front corner of the end zone. And Wisconsin posted this. This was one of the plays the Badgers posted to their social media accounts. But he dove and knocked the ball away. And he's just shown some savvy that goes beyond, I think, what you would expect from a true freshman early enrollee. I don't know if I necessarily expected those two guys to be in this spot right away, but we've seen uh, the ability to continue making plays and learn this defense. And the, the third team group has included Avion Jones, who was initially working with the twos. Um, and so it's a lot of unproven talent, even though there is talent there. Yep. Yeah. And they, they spend a lot of resources. My resources, I mean, scholarships and trying to bolster that room with this freshman class, right? They brought in a, a number of guys as a part of this freshman class at cornerback. And they'll add another one, obviously, in Amari Snowden when um, things get going, when they when the rest of the freshman class shows up. They added a bunch of them. I would expect they probably will add try to add more even in the 2024 class as well. Um, we heard from, who was it? It was Phil Longo talking about how they want they want six or seven wide receivers because he knows the other team doesn't have six or seven corners and so you know you're going to rotate guys through and some you know a lot of teams have two or three corners that they can that they can count on and that's true of Wisconsin's defense right now they have three guys they can count on and and maybe there's not behind them the depth that they feel comfortable with and so they're trying to go out and find um, other guys even though you believe in the the future of what these guys are maybe you don't want to have to be throwing them in. If there's an injury to one of those top three guys, throwing them in and, and forcing them into a situation where they have to play a ton right away. Um, but look, true freshman play all the time. And, and maybe that'll end up being the case. It's uh, only 12 practices into their, their career. And they, as you said, they made some plays today was probably not the greatest day for some of the young guys. Uh, the second team defense, um, I don't want to say got shredded, but uh, gave up, gave up quite a few big plays. Before I get to those big plays, though, I will say uh, Preston Zachman made a play of his own today as well against Braden Locke uh, in that second team offense. I'm not sure exactly who the ball was intended for. It was over the middle, felt a little late, and uh, Braden Locke did not see Preston Zachman, who just cut in front of it, picked it off, and took it back for what would have been a pick six. So there were plays made by the second team defense, but there were a whole hell of a lot more plays made by the second team offense, uh, specifically Keontes Lewis and Skyler Bell, both who we know uh, have played a ton of football at Wisconsin. And uh, especially, I mean, obviously last year played a ton of football. They got passed on the depth chart by Will Pauling and essentially Chim Ray DK, but I mean, CJ Williams as well. And it's kind of forced them down to the second team. And you would you were wondering, do they hang their heads or do they go out and make plays? And Skyler Bell, since being passed by Will Pauling, has made plays and Keontes Lewis since, uh, you know, since losing his spot has made plays. And that was the case again today. I mean, Skyler Bell had the catch of the day. Uh, they posted this one to the Twitter account from, from Braden Locke, a little corner, an absolute dime of a ball from Braden Locke and dropped it right on him. There was great coverage by Almond Williams, but it didn't matter. Skyler grabbed it and, and hauled it in. Keontes Lewis had a, a great sliding catch down the left sideline. Uh, there were just a bunch of made plays in Braden Locke. I don't think it's really up for debate. They had a better practice than Tanner Mordecai did today. Um, I think it's always worth mentioning as we have probably have already, Jesse, that he's going against as, as we just got done talking about going against guys that just showed up, right. Just that just got on campus that should still be in high school. So I think it's always worth mentioning, but some of the balls that he put on these guys were, uh, were fantastic. It was a really good day for Brayden Locke today. Uh, First team offense, Chimray DK had his by far his best day. 
by far his best day. And uh, this just great sliding catch uh, on a dime from Mordecai down the left sideline. It was kind of like a the ball was I don't know if the ball was behind him, but it was kind of a little bit behind him and went to the ground sliding catch just in front of the end zone. And then later had a back shoulder grab that I think can be really can be really, really good for this offense because if the corner is going to play off, a lot of just quick throws out to the side and let the guy go and make plays. So if he's going to play tight and you're going to run down the field and you're going to look like you're going deep and all of a sudden you're able to pull back and do a little back shoulder stuff, it's a really tough ball to defend. And great ball from Mordecai and great catch and, and uh, dotted of the feet by uh, by Chimray DK. So I, the three guys that really stood out wide receiver-wise, Jesse, DK, Lewis, and Bell are the three guys that were here last year and had to hear all about C.J. Williams and Will Pauling and the rest of them when they spoke to the media on Wednesday. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We had an opportunity to talk to the wide receivers on Wednesday, and uh, I, I pulled them, all three of them aside, really, Chimre, uh, Keontes, and Skyler. And one of the things I was asking Keontes and Skyler specifically is, hey, we've we've had a chance to see every practice, and both of you guys have performed very well. I, I, I think both of them in any other year certainly would be the ones. And yet here you are locked in a fight just to get first team reps. D- does that say a lot about the quality you have right now? And I have to give both of them credit because it would be very easy to hang your head. Okay. I, I was one of the guys last year and here I am working my butt off. And all of a sudden I find myself with the twos. They've continued to keep their head down and make plays. And Skyler told me, we go out here and compete every day and that's the culture and that's part of the program. If you don't like that, then this ain't the place for you. I don't know what more you could ask for in terms of the, the right attitude you need to have to create competition. I also think it's pretty clear that uh, they've got, everybody's going to play. It's just a matter of the reps right now. But I asked Mike Brown that too, the wide receivers coach, because before spring practice started, he said he wanted to have six players in a rotation and it felt like, yeah, that's a possibility, but what does this actually look like? And at this stage, I think pretty clearly there are five guys you feel good about, and they made seven wide receivers available to reporters on Wednesday, which never happens. And part (laughs) of the reason is because all those guys are making plays. Obviously, to me, the top five right now, the guys working with the first group and and C.J. Williams, like you said, is – managed to be a big mover here in spring ball, taking over one of those top spots with the first team group. They slid Shimre DK over. So now Keontes Lewis is with the twos. Will Pauling's been the top slot. And obviously you've got Skylar Bell and Keontes Lewis and a little bit of a competition for how far beyond that you go, but they also made Vinny Anthony and Quincy Burroughs available to talk to reporters. Both of those guys have made plays. Anthony was lining up with the second team guys on the outside. He's also been in the slot. We haven't even seen Bryson Green yet because he's been dealing with uh, coming back from an injury. So there's a ton of talent, but I actually think it has motivated this group. And it's very easy to speak in hyperbole right now when there's not a game for almost five months. And I know we've had these conversations in like 2018 about could this be the best wide receiver group Wisconsin has had, but it legitimately feels that way right now. And a big reason why we can say that is because the offense is so drastically different, but it does feel as though every day we talk about a practice it's somebody new making plays with that wide receiver group. It's it's one of those five guys. And even Burroughs and Anthony. Anthony had a 75-yard touchdown catch during the Saturday scrimmage, and Burroughs has had his moments too. So it's just a ton of competition. Um, and not surprised that Chimray DK is, is continuing to make plays. I felt even when C.J. Williams was starting to make his move, I thought, well, 
I don't see Chimray. <laughs> I don't see them bumping him down to the second team. He's he's too intelligent. He's he's too much of a leader. He's too much of a playmaker. And so it's fascinating to me to see them just flip him to the other side of the field. And that certainly that means that somebody's got to go from the first team group and it's Keontes, but absolutely all those guys are going to be a part of the rotation. They are. It's, I think if you were the sixth or seventh guy any other year, you'd be very upset uh, because the the playing time just wouldn't be there. And six and seven are going to get playing time in this, this offense. Um, I don't know how much seven's going to get, but six is going to get a lot. They're going to rotate that. That top six is going to rotate. You know, I don't even, the thing is like right now, they have their top six, and you're not. We're not including obviously Bryson Green in there, but where does he where does he slot in? He's been working at least in you know individual drills on that left side where Tim Ray is now, and that where Keontes is. Where does he fit in? Well, it's a it's a mystery question right now. I just have a hard time believing that if he's held healthy, he's not <laughs> going to be a big time contributor. And maybe it's kind of how they flip sides initially with the twos I, you know i because Vinny anthony's been there with the twos um or at least he was recently and then and again they've they've had a lot of different rotations chris brooks jr was there early tommy mcintosh has taken reps there now brooks jr is hurt quincy burroughs was with the twos because of this shift he w- went down with the threes um but he's a proven playmaker he was the second leading receiver at oklahoma state last season and mike brown talked about the physicality that he brings um you could just tell by the way that Brown talked about what he could potentially provide that this is a guy who's going to be a dude <laughs> in this <laughs> offense. It's yeah. just a matter of it. It's hard to speculate because we haven't seen a single live snap from him. It's just, I don't know how you can ignore what he did at Oklahoma state and say, he can't come in here and do the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, a couple more things from practice on Thursday. They're still experimenting a little bit with that that dollar package and the, the dollar roll, which is essentially, you know, that safety slash outside linebacker where Hunter Wolder had been for, you know, the first part of spring. And then they kind of moved away from it. Um, we thought it was because of Travion Blaylock not really being available. Um, he's back now. He was working with the twos today. It was instead of uh, Travion Blaylock, it was Austin Brown. I don't think there's probably too much to make of that other than to say that it was him out there because um, Trayvon was working with the second team when healthy. Again, I think he's one of their best 11. So I think he's up there, but I think that at least speaks to some of the, the impressiveness that, of what Brown has brought to, to that spot because he, and I know, I think we talked about it last week. It's uh, it's just a matter of time before he comes, becomes the next star. I think is what essentially what Colin Hitchler said about Austin Brown. And uh, from some of the stuff we've seen, I can't, it's hard to disagree with that. Uh, we also saw Caden Johnson, and Marty Stry in in that uh, dollar package role where um, I'm just going to call it the dollar pack. I'm just going to call it the dollar position, the dollar position, the one where uh, Hunter Wolder is Caden Johnson got some work there. Marty Stray got some work there. Um, no Daryl Peterson there, which is uh, at least notable because that's one of the spots he was in earlier in, in uh, spring when they went to their normal two, four, five. Uh, it was uh, Peterson and, and Getz as the starting outside linebackers. So um, you mentioned Jason Matry. I think you've probably seen this too. He fills the hole. He's not afraid of contact. He is not afraid of contact whatsoever. It doesn't always go his way because he's a little bit of a smaller guy, but he's not afraid of contact. He met Braylon Allen in the hole today. Went flying back, but he gave him it all he could. <laughs> gave it all he could. So a couple of those things uh, 
stood out from from today. We also got some place kicking outside. It was colder, coldish. Luke Fickle was joking afterwards uh, that he was expecting not as many people out there today because it was a little bit uh, cooler. And uh, um, but we got some kicking and impressive kicking as well. All four kicks that were made, or all four kicks that were taken, were made. Uh, we got. A 28-yarder from Nate Van Zelst, a 46-yarder from Vakos, Nathaniel Vakos, a 46-yarder from Van Zelst, and then a 48-yard kick by uh, Nathaniel Vakos near the end of practice. Um, so four for four on the day. They also did a little bit of kickoff, and uh, Jack Van Dyke, the lead kickoff guy, Gavin Lon, the number two. I don't know what role Vito Calvaruso has on this team. I don't. I, would. <laughs> like, I, I don't. I don't think there is one. My assumption, and we talked about it before, was that he had a shot at being the kickoff guy, which made a ton of sense because of how good he was for two years at Arkansas. But if you're going to put Van Dyke there, who has three years of experience off and on, I know there were some injuries, then there isn't a role for Vito because they brought Nathaniel Vakos in to be the field goal kicker. They put him on scholarship, and that means, Calvaruso, your your opportunity is gone. So... I think that's kind of <laughs> makes it yeah. fairly obvious. Yeah. I haven't seen, I mean, it's been a while since seen Vito even take a kick, but if he's not taking part of kickoff at all, he's like not even the first or second guy. I just, yeah, I don't understand what role, if any, he has on this team. So that was practice today. Again, the batters be on the field on Saturday for the launch. Uh, things get going at least on the field at one o'clock. As I mentioned yesterday, in yesterday's show, they have, um, a little kids fair that gets going at 11 Bucky's fifth uh, Bucky's locker room is going to have their annual sidewalk sale. So there's plenty of stuff to do. If um, you have a chance to get down there, it will be on BTN plus live. And then it's going to be tape delayed uh, on BTN at three o'clock. So if you can't make it down there, you will have a chance to see that. Um, I also promised yesterday that we would talk about recruiting because there was a rather big, Hubba Baloo? I don't even know what you want to call it. Um, <laughs> so, some angst. There was some angst uh, on social media after Donovan Harbor announced his commitment to Penn State on Tuesday. And I know we had, we've kind of mentioned it earlier the week before and um, where Donovan Harbor and, and Corey Smith, the two guys from Catholic Memorial, the two, two of the three highest ranked kids in the state, both four-star prospects, Guys in normally Wisconsin would go after hard and desperately want here and it'd be a huge loss if they didn't get them. And this situation feels different. I know you were asked a question about it in your mailbag and you laid out exactly what uh, what happened there. But I'd like you to do it here as well. Can you lay sure. out lay out what happened with Corey Smith, who has yet to commit, but is, is going to commit, I believe, next week? Right. And then obviously Donovan Harbor committee to Penn State as well. Corey Smith expected to go to Penn State too. So Harbor and Smith earned a scholarship offer under the previous staff way back in March 2022. They were the first guys in the 2024 class from the state to get that offer. And they were four-star guys. Even now, based on the 24-7 sports composite, Harbor's considered number one in the state and Smith is number three. We know about the success that Wisconsin has had inside the state since the Barry Alvarez days. And they've had the number one prospect sign with Wisconsin for six consecutive classes. So naturally when players that talented don't pick Wisconsin, people want to know what the hell is going on. Um, 
And so what I shared in the story is that, um, so Luke Fickle made the rounds the first week when he was the head coach to some of the area high schools. He went to Catholic Memorial. We know that Harbor and Smith came up to Wisconsin in January for a junior day visit to meet with coaches and staffers. Uh, and what I put in the mailbag is that in the end, Wisconsin has to do its own evaluations uh, to determine what the right fit is. And people are going to hear me say fit and ask what that means. And, you know, it's not meant to be something nefarious here, but that's the most that I can say about how, how you know, people have to judge on on how it will come together and what it will look like and, and whether both sides, um, you know, can make this happen. And they, Wisconsin, opted not to move forward with a scholarship offer for either player. And they were obviously pursuing other players on the recruiting board at offensive line and running back. And, you know, people freak out because they're from Wisconsin. And to me, there's got to be mutual interest and it can't just be because you're from the state of Wisconsin, you've got to go do this or because it may look bad after the fact. Um, And Wisconsin apparently made this decision more than two months ago based on a variety of factors and Harbor and Smith were made aware of where things stood. So, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Like, even if Wisconsin had actively and doggedly pursued these guys up until the day they didn't pick Wisconsin, it was going to be a challenge to get these guys. Um, and I understand now me talking about this, it can sound like revisionist history because Donovan Harbor picked Penn State. But the fact that this was something that had been going on for a couple months, I think, shows you that this isn't just something that happened all of a sudden or happened right now. But Smith wasn't a college football fan. When I, I went out there in February to talk to both those guys. He followed the NFL. Donovan Harbor's favorite team was LSU. And they really only learned about Wisconsin's history and tradition when they were at Catholic Memorial because the head coach, Bill Young, has sent 10 players to play for the Badgers. So you also have to factor in there was a staff transition very deep into the recruiting process. So I, I think there's a, a lot of factors there. But I'll be interested to see what Wisconsin is able to do with this 2024 class at those positions in particular, because they've had more than a half dozen offensive linemen in during these spring practices. They've obviously got two running backs that they're very high on Darian Dupree and Jaden Matthews. Both those guys came in for visits. Dupree has had nothing but great things to say about Wisconsin. Matthews, when I talked to him, he said, I, (laughs) I can understand why it's RBU. He's made a ton of visits. And from the offensive line perspective, They've been able to bring in a uh, get a commitment from Derek Jensen. He's six foot eight and 330 pounds from Heartland Arrowhead. They're in hot pursuit of Nathan Roy, who's currently rated as the number two player in the state, the other four-star prospect. And so I think if you're Wisconsin, you've got to feel pretty good if you're able to get those two guys and we'll see where everything else shakes out. But I, I understand the angst over this, but I also think that perception isn't necessarily reality just because, um, again, Wisconsin may well have lost those guys, but they made the, their own determination um, you know, well before the, these guys ultimately made their commitment choices. And it comes down to fit. It always does. It always has. And I think you can see in every situation is different, but you saw when Wisconsin cooled on Sam Piloff, who recently committed to Rutgers, right? Um, it, it comes down to fit. And and I think that people are, you've got to be very confident, right? That, that yeah. this group is going to... When, when you throw peel off in this the same conversation it's not um, the same in any way i don't mean yeah. to suggest that and i think if you're listening to this you you kind of know uh at least the reasons why that recruitment cooled but the point is um you can't they're not going to take every in-state guy just because he's an in-state guy you've got to be able to see how um the two sides can work together i don't know yeah no i got i got you what with the uh 
the whole previous staff and, and, and this staff, would you say the previous staff was also pretty picky in terms of in terms of who in they state? recruited? Or did they just, or because it was in state, they were going to go for it? This is another part of this conversation, and I mentioned this too. There's a lot of angst about Paul Christ is losing the state or the wall is crumbling. And I, I think, I don't, I, there's part of me that felt like that sort of got overblown because even in the last six recruiting cycles, Wisconsin landed seven of the 10 four-star players from the state. And it was just that there were three in the same class in 2022 that didn't commit to Wisconsin. Jerry Cross went to Penn State. He just was never interested in Wisconsin. You can't force a kid to be interested. And he committed to Penn State without even visiting that campus. It's really It was really the other two. It was Billy Shrout going to Notre Dame. It was Carson Hinsman going to Ohio State. And I remember being in Paul Chris's office talking about uh, just a variety of things. And, and he even mentioned that he felt like the biggest advantage for the in-state recruiting was totally wiped out because of the pandemic. And it essentially made all those kids out-of-state players. Because what Wisconsin can sell is come on down anytime you want, hang around the players, and get to know this place better than any other school. And those guys couldn't. I think the difference was you had Shroud telling rivals that I don't want to be working my ass off all year to play for Peaches, which I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> other than you're not playing for national championship. He said, I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn about that. I want to be playing for national championships. I think that's where it was different. Like not often, I think you would hear an in-state kid say like, I don't want to come there because I want to go and be a part of something greater. And I don't think that's necessarily the situation right now. Um, But that staff before, I think they really, maybe it gets a bad rap now, at least as far as in-state. I thought they did an excellent job of recruiting inside the state generally. I think there are some people that think the rating for, um, Donovan Harbor is a little high that he he is not as good of a player as his ranking would suggest. Uh, Corey Smith, very talented player. Wisconsin obviously likes the other guys that they have uh, that they're going after. Um, look, you don't if if the previous staff had done this, I think I'd be I think I might have a different opinion. Of yeah, it. but this staff is they're gonna they they don't have as much. I don't know. And I don't want to say invested, uh, but like they're going to continue to bring in guys from all over the country. They're not going to just rely on uh, and taking guys just because they're from Wisconsin. Whereas yeah. I think, I think the previous staff felt a responsibility and uh, a necessity to take kids from Wisconsin, even though they're, they may not have been great, great fits for, for UW. Yeah. There's so much it's nuance tough. to this conversation too, because even somebody like Derek Jensen, the thing that Wisconsin has been able to do for so long is you have an in-state kid, you're not sure about him. And because the previous staff didn't offer Jensen, which obviously I wrote about that, and then he became what he became. And certainly the previous staff may well have offered him in the end, but you could wait a while uh, and get him up to camp and then offer. And these guys who dreamed about coming to Wisconsin would then pick Wisconsin more often than not. And it was a little bit different situation. It is different when you get these four-star kids in general. And maybe this is part of a bigger conversation, but just they are getting noticed so early that you've got to get involved extremely early because the Penn States, the world, the Ohio States, the Notre Dames, when you are that talented, Wisconsin is going to have to fight for them. Um, but in terms of Fickle and his staff, yeah, it would have been one thing if they had been in place for three years and been recruiting Harbor and Smith all that time only to lose out to Penn state. That would be an extremely tough pill to swallow. Um, And, uh, but again, because of the timing of things and because of what this staff is looking for, it is as least understandable why it it didn't necessarily come together here. You know, Luke Fickle gets hired late in November. They get these kids up in January. 
and everybody's trying to figure out how will this work together. And so it is a, it is a different situation, obviously, between this staff and when Paul Christ and, and his staff was here. Yeah, it, it's a difficult situation. It's a, it's a tough one to talk about as well. Um, but Wisconsin uh, will, not have, will, will not be getting Corey Smith or Donovan Harbor. They are certainly obviously still very much in the running for uh, the offensive tackle from McQuanago and, and Roy. And, you know, it, it sounds like Penn State's getting Sexton as well. So Penn State coming in and taking three of the top seven guys, uh, all three of which don't have Wisconsin offers which is kind of uh, weird to say, but it was very, it's a very good year for in-state talent uh, in the 2024 class in Wisconsin. And you're not expecting the Badgers to, to take all of them, um, but it does, it, it is a little bit of a change. And I think maybe that's why it's a little, maybe difficult for people to understand. It is a little bit of a change from, from previous years when if there was a division one talent in Wisconsin, the Badgers were probably having offered and, and going after them hard um, or, you know, power five talent that a lot of guys that a lot of schools are going after. They didn't always get them, but they certainly recruited them hard. And uh, in this case, they are not. So if I, if uh, I could add one, if I could add one more thing on this, like I don't want to make it seem like this staff isn't going to go hard after the in-state guys. Uh, I mean, you can even look ahead to 2025, for example, the four top players in the state have already all been on campus for visits. Cooper Catalano, the inside linebacker from Germantown, James Flanagan, who we talked about, um, whose dad went to Notre Dame, so that could be a tough sell. But Owen Strebig, another offensive lineman from Catholic Memorial, and then uh, Trey Poteet, whose dad obviously used to coach here and is now the cornerbacks coach at Iowa State. So, like these guys are absolutely going to do their damnedest to get the the talent inside the state. Um, but with this situation specifically, it's just a little bit different. And I do think Wisconsin is going to get offensive linemen. Um, you know, if it's not Donovan Harbor, they're going to get quality there. The running back spot to me is the one that I'm eyeing the most because. I, you know, you got to get somebody like Dupree. And I think you feel a little bit better because since we last had our conversation, you know, Julius Davis isn't here anymore. He wasn't going to be here after the season, but you've got Chez that you're losing, Braylon Allen potentially going to the NFL draft. So there's going to be a lot of turnover there. And we know how important running back is. So there are a lot of moving pieces to this is, is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, definitely are. Definitely are. All right. So Wisconsin, again, get to be on the field on Saturday for the launch. We will be there and then uh, probably catch you up on uh, Sunday and, uh, put together an episode for Sunday night into Monday morning, breaking down what we got. I'm sure people will have a ton of questions. If you have any questions about anything we've talked about today, you can certainly send them to me via Twitter. I'm going to be doing a Q&A for the episode tomorrow. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. Talk soon. All right, there is Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.